and welcome to episode 83 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Anne Pilot, Paige, Danelle Swenson, Di Elijah, Dave Eggington, Amber, Ali E, Catherine Roberts, Miranda Mayer, Shannon Crockett, Andre Cruz, Aoife Gillespie, Charlotte Davis, Marilyn, or Marilyn, Marilyn, Sarah Harvey. Purple Dorothy. Jackie Knapp. Paul Redmond. Tammy Cat. Vanessa Valverde. Ardell Nelson. And Heidi Gray. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We, we love it. And we appreciate you and you are outstanding. We have a new promo this week too. So Exciting. our promo this week is Scry Podcast, which is another paranormal storytelling podcast that deals primarily in listener stories and real life encounters. So some of you I know will absolutely be all over that. So I'm going to play the promo now. Welcome to Scry, a podcast that journeys beyond the veil that separates our realm from that of the shadows. With this horrific grin on her face and then started twisting her head Scry features true tales of ghosts, demons, and dark entities as shared by those who experience them. Next to her was the reflection of someone else. With tensions heightened through an eerie score and atmosphere-building sound effects. You are not supposed to see me. Stare into the obsidian mirror at scrypod.com or subscribe to Scry through your favorite podcast app. And that was Scry Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you go and have a listen and like and subscribe. So our film review this week. Yes. Was hotly requested. Okay. Our film review is It Follows. It Follows was released in 2014. It has 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? How much on Rotten Tomatoes? 98%. No way. Yeah, go for it. After carefree teenager Jay sleeps with her new boyfriend Hugh for the first time, she learns that she is the latest recipient of a fatal curse that is passed from victim to victim via sexual intercourse. Death, Jay learns, will creep inexorably towards her as either a friend or a stranger. Jay's friends don't believe her seemingly paranoid ravings until they too begin to see the phantom assassins and band together to help her flee or defend herself. What were your thoughts on this film? Uh, There was a lot of things I liked about it. It was very well shot. The soundtrack was amazing. The story, the concept behind the story was a great idea. It was good. It wasn't 98%. 98% is mad. Like, I think Rosemary's Baby was 96%. Yeah. I, this film is... What I really like about it is that there is no explanation. No. You you just are landed in the middle of this weird scenario where you are as confused as this teenage girl where she has sex with her boyfriend and her boyfriend is like, right, now you have this curse this creature whatever it is we don't know is gonna follow you forever in the form of a human being walking really slowly towards you and if they get you they will kill you that's it but you don't learn any of the background there's no like 
you know, we're going to go read all these supernatural books and find out what this is. Or it was an ancient curse passed down from this old woman who wanted revenge. There's none of that. It's just, no. this is the way it is. Fucking get on with it. Accept it. It's there. Avoid it. It's kind of like a modern morality play. Do you think so? It feels like it a little bit, I think. It's I've... a clever concept, but like the, mor- the moral of the story is don't have sex. Is it though? It is because you don't get the demon if you don't have sex. Yeah, I guess. Like there's no way out of it. Once you've had sex with someone, even if you pass it on, it could still come back and get you. Yeah, you're pretty much fucked in more ways than yeah. one if if you do have this demon attached to you. I mean, it's mad. It does the stalking really well, I think. Constant sort of like terror of someone walking towards you it really reminds, slowly. <laughs> it reminds me of those old, like the Halloween films where Michael Myers yeah. never breaks a sweat do you know what i mean he's always walking slowly towards his victim and even if they're sprinting away he still manages to keep up with them who knows how mm. but he's, he's michael myers it doesn't matter and this is the same so she flees and she can get you know quite far away from it and give herself a bit of time but it will always find her yeah i mean it's just such a mad film and it like breaks windows to get into places and can kick holes in doors so you can't even just like lock yourself away. No, you can't. You've got to pass it on, which is definitely not sexual health advice. No, I mean if if you find yourself with an STI, don't 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 pass it on to get rid of it. It's not no. uh, it's not it's <laughs> not, not good it health advice. No. no, but if you do have an STG, sexually transmitted ghost. Oh, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. <laughs> then that is how you get rid of it. But you don't only get rid of it temporarily. Yeah, because if that if the next person dies. It yeah. goes back to you. It's I figure so the way strange. out of this is to get involved in an orgy pretty quickly. Have sex with one person at, orgy, at the orgy and then leave. Yeah, and then that person, you'd hope that that, that person, person was... That person would then have sex with loads of other people. Was the hot pick at the orgy. About, yeah, mm. five or six people around before. This film has like Stranger Things vibes, except not PC. <laughs> well, it's not in the 80s either, is it? No, but it, it's like all these teenagers banded together. They don't get their parents involved. Nope. What's the point? No, <laughs> no need. Yeah. No need. Their parents never know any of this is going on. Nope. They don't get their parents involved. They're just bopping around trying to solve this, how to get rid of this thing. And they come up with this. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody in terms of how they try and sort this situation out. But they come up with this mad plan that has no logic behind it. But none of the plans can have any logic about it because we don't know anything about it. That's the point, I guess, isn't it? You've just got to try things. Like You know that you can forcefully make contact with it and slow it down so i guess it's just thinking about it in those terms but yeah yeah it's good it's it's it is good it's not it's not 98 I, I do think it's a little bit overhyped the first time i heard of this film was many moons ago and i was in a pub in ireland and a guy was there telling me about this film and he was like it is literally the best horror film i've ever seen and he was ranting and raving about how amazing it was. And I was like, wow, I really need to watch this film. And it feels like one of those films that I, maybe the intricacies of it are lost on me. Because you know, there's like, you get cinematography. Mm. I don't. I'm just like. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. It looks amazing. So I wonder if, if that's part of the reason why people are, are hyped up so much. Like, it's, I just, d- it's different to Modern Hollower, isn't it? Like I get the hype around it, but I do think it's overhyped. Does that make sense? I think some of the forms that it takes mm. are quite, like, freaked the shit out of me. The naked dead dad on the roof. Oh, at one yeah. Point the, yeah, it, it comes in a very, what's that film, Veronica kind of yeah. way. She does, they, she does have to endure her naked dad. So that's never good. But what would you give this film out of five? Four and a half. 
four and a half. I did enjoy it, and it's something different, and it, I can see why people get excited about it. I just don't think it's necessarily groundbreaking. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. So that's it. Follows four ish from both of us. Mm. We seem to be on the same wavelength for films at the moment. I think we're becoming very desensitized to them, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it is it is nice. It's refreshing to watch something different. Yeah. To watch something that's a little bit more. I don't know, it's got a little bit more thought got into it than just constant jump scares or whatever else horror films seem to churn out nowadays. And they weren't irritating teenagers as well, and I think they deserve credit for that. Because because teens can be irritating in films. I think when they're portrayed in film, they can be irritating, or they have very big flaws that are annoying. Yeah. But they didn't do it in this. Which brings us to our story this week. STG? Kind of. Ooh. But not really. Actually, no, not at all. Okay. I just, I don't know why I said that. So last week we looked at Robert Johnson. We did. The deal he made with the devil. And you know I love a good curse. You do love a good like curse. Like I love a good hex. Yeah. So this week we're looking at a very peculiar and particular case. Mm. Are you ready? No. Rejection is something that all human beings deal with at some point in their life. It can be embarrassing and painful, chipping away at a person's ego. We revisit moments of rejection in late night episodes of insomnia and relive them wondering what we could have done differently. People deal with rejection in different ways. Some get angry. Some use it as a way to change. And some small few seek revenge. Christopher Case was a 35-year-old music producer. His passion in life was music and he worked for Muzak, as a programming director. Muzak had a bit of a bad rep in the field. They produced the quiet jingles heard in elevators and waiting rooms around the world. But Case was determined to change the public perception of the company. He wanted to use his passion for music of the ancient world to demonstrate the nuance and sophistication of the music they produced and encourage the legitimacy of this type of composition. Case was extremely good at his job. In his personal life, he was a fitness fanatic and never missed a workout, ensuring that he took vitamins and supplements on a daily basis to make sure that his body was in peak condition. He had many friends, but wasn't a big fan of nights out, preferring instead to spend his downtime alone listening to and analysing music and composing where he could. He hadn't had a relationship, in many, many years. On April the 11th, 1991, Case attended a big business meeting in San Francisco. It was full of top industry music executives and was an opportunity for Case to wax lyrical about his love of ancient music and his plans to revolutionise the easy listening industry. As a whole, the conference was very successful. Case had been featured in the LA Times in the previous December, and told executives passionately that the music that Muzak produced had the power to decrease stress, to increase productivity, and most importantly, to encourage shoppers to buy more. Case's passion and charisma didn't just attract the attention of music producers, but it also attracted the attention of a woman. This woman too had a passion for ancient music, and her particular hobby was importing music from Egypt and Greece 
that was reported to be written by ancient people. The pair hit it off immediately, and Case, desperate to pick this woman's brain, invited her out to dinner. I guess it's not often that you meet someone with the same passion for something so niche. The dinner was a success. Case was overjoyed to meet someone who was as knowledgeable and zealous about ancient music and he talked in feverish glee for the evening. Unfortunately, this was where Case's interest ended. The woman made a romantic pass at Case and eventually asked him to take her home. What Case had seen as a meeting of minds, she had misconstrued as a romantic endeavour. Case politely declined, having no interest in pursuing the woman romantically. Many of us would have been in this situation. The burning embarrassment of being rejected by someone whom you thought felt the same way. The woman flew into a wild rage, fiery and hot. Her eyes blazed with anger and the hurt of rejection, and she spat her words furiously at Case. I am a witch, and you will regret this. I put a curse on you. You will be dead within a week. Case quickly left, and was completely bemused by the whole situation. On his way home, he called his friend, Sammy Solder, and recounted the whole bizarre tale to her. He was unnerved by the encounter, but not frightened, and after laughing about it with his friend, he promptly forgot about the encounter and boarded his plane back home. On Sunday, April the 14th, Case sat alone in his apartment. He was exhausted. Pale and drawn, he desperately wished he could sleep, but was too frightened to try. Chewing his nails, he sat and stared at the phone. He wanted to call somebody, but who? It had started the night he returned after his trip. Fatigued from travel, he had tumbled into bed and straight into a deep sleep. At some point in the night, he awoke with a start. It was the kind of awakening where he knew something or someone had woken him, but he couldn't quite figure out exactly what. He lay still awaiting the haze of sleep to lift. And then he heard it. Softly and faintly. A whispering. The more alert he became, the louder the whispering became. He lay and listened, straining his ears trying to understand what he was hearing. Human voices whispered throughout his bedroom. He sat up in fright, Intently listening, but there it was, an indiscernible whispering of many voices. Trying to rationalise what was happening, he shakily got up from his bed and searched his apartment, but could find no source of the noise, and still the whispering continued. He prickled in a cold sweat, feeling unseen eyes upon him, and not knowing what to do, he turned to return to his bedroom when he saw it. A large black shadow moved deftly across the doorway in front of him. Something was in his apartment. Recounting the night in his head, Case picked up the phone and called Sammy Soder. 
On Tuesday, April the 16th, Case entered Evangel Incorporated, a shop selling religious items in his locality. He stopped and looked around, and not being familiar with this sort of establishment, he asked the owner, Rodney Higuchi, where he kept the crucifixes. Higuchi pointed him to the back of the shop, and Case promptly picked up several and brought them to the counter. Higuchi was intrigued. People buying religious artefacts is not remotely unusual. But a man he had never seen before buying several crucifixes was definitely something of interest. He asked Case what they were for, and Case told him that there was something supernatural in his house that was trying to hurt him, and then asked if the crucifixes were blessed with holy water. Case returned home, armed with his crucifixes, and placed them at various points in his home. He had been poring through books on the supernatural and had made notes of the different ways that you could protect yourself from evil spirits. Not being a religious man, he decided that a multi-method approach was his best hope. He called Soder again and informed her that the nightly attacks were continuing. The night before, Case had been in a fitful sleep when he awoke to a pair of hands around his throat. He kicked and struggled, but still the hands became tighter around him, squeezing the air from his lungs. He felt the attacks of unseen hands on his body and knew that he was going to die. He had been lifted from his bed, floating in the air, battling with unseen hands and was eventually thrown from a height back onto his bed. His fingertips were covered in small cuts and bruises covered his body. He hoped that the addition of the crucifixes would help him to keep the entity at bay at night. It didn't. No one knows what happened in his apartment the night after he went to the shop. But what is known is that Case left his home at 3.30am and checked into a nearby motel. On Wednesday the 17th of April, Case called Soder again. Soda remembers him being eerily calm. He told her that he had left the house the night before, but that there was no point in running. He said that whatever this was was going to kill him, and that the night of April the 17th would be his last night alive. On this day, Case went to see a Catholic priest, Father Jared Malahan. He explained the story to Malahan and told him that he was going to die that night. Malahan described him as being frightened and asking for information about how to combat evil spirits. Case returned to Evangel Incorporated. Higuchi noted that he looked completely worn out, like he hadn't slept properly in days. Case returned to his apartment. At 8pm, Soder called the local police force and requested a welfare check on her friend. She had become increasingly worried for him and his mental state, and the police willingly obliged. They arrived at Case's apartment, and finding the door locked, spoke to his neighbours. As the door was locked, there was no concern from the neighbours, and Case hadn't shown up on any records, the police left the scene. On Thursday, April the 18th, Soda requested another welfare check. She had had no contact with Case and was desperately afraid for his safety. 
When the police arrived at the scene, they found the apartment door unlocked. When they entered the apartment, this is what they saw. Every edge and doorway of Case's apartment was lined with salt and small piles of salt were in each corner. In the entranceway, there were piles of salt in complex geometric shapes, potentially symbols of protection. The apartment had been wrecked, but there was no sign of forced entry anywhere and none of the neighbours had reported hearing any disturbance. Notes of how to stop evil forces were littered through the apartment. There were crucifixes everywhere and soft religious music played in each room. The apartment was dark, except for a soft flickering glow in the bathroom. In the bathroom were ten candles, burned right down, and in the bathtub was Christopher Case. He was kneeling in the bathtub with his head resting against the tiled wall to the left of the tap, from which trickled a small steady stream of water. He was dead. Christopher Case was found dead on April the 18th, 1991. The police officer who found him described that he looked as if he had simply fallen asleep at mid-prayer. The autopsy that followed showed that Case had died of myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle that ultimately causes heart failure. Christopher Case died exactly a week after his ill-fated dinner with the mystery woman. That is a crazy story. The first crazy point that came up was the fact that Muzak is the name of the company and not just the name they give to the music and elevators. I just thought it was a slang term. I didn't realise it actually It's an actual company. company, yeah. That's crazy. So what are your thoughts? I mean, it could have just been an underlying heart condition and a coincidence. Okay, so shall we do some theories? Yeah, if you want. We can do that because then it'll give you something to focus on. You said I'm unfocused. No. <laughs> I, I did see you writing though. Did you take notes? Yeah, I need to. I'm better I... when I take notes. Who are you? <laughs> I'm impressed. Theory number one. Christopher Case dies of heart failure. That's a fact. Yep. Which is often apparently accompanied by an impending sense of doom. It is possible. It doesn't really matter how fit he is. If no, it's, that's, that's irrelevant. If, this, if he had the same heart condition as me. Yeah, so just... the the I looked up myocarditis because yeah. I was like, oh, what is this, what is this heart condition? End stage heart disease right yeah and it's it's an inflammation of the heart so you can get it if you have an infection but it it can also be an underlying condition and it really doesn't matter your level of fitness or there are some studies that suggest that overly taking supplements can cause heart issues Mm -hmm. he was right in the demographic for people to die of this disease like okay. he it's between like the age males in particular between the ages of 25 and 40 and it's the leading cause of unexplained sudden yeah, death okay. in adults so okay. the the fact that he died of this disease is completely not beyond the realms of possibility yeah. at all but there are reports that people who are going to have a heart attack or who are entered into late stages of heart failure have this feeling of impending doom yeah i've heard that i think 
I think when I was first diagnosed and I was reading all the stuff I shouldn't have read that panicked me. Yep. (laughs) Um, I think I remember reading something along those lines. Probably not worded in that way. But it's one of those things where they say some people report feeling a sense of impending doom. Yeah. And they don't really understand why it happens. So that's theory number one. What are your thoughts? Logically, it sounds sounds pretty sound, doesn't make sense. But logically, it sounds pretty viable. Yep. As an option. And the whole week later after his thing is just coincidence. Obviously, I think if my body was making me have an impending sense of doom anyway, because I was in the final stages of my life, and then I also had a, a meal where a woman <laughs> stood up in the restaurant and cursed me, I might just increase that fear anyway, right? But do you not think it's strange that he knew the day, like that she said you will be dead within a week and exactly a week later he was dead. See, I was thinking about this in context of something else because I've been reading a book, still reading a book about rock and roll stuff. Yeah, it's amazing when people, well, not amazing, it's scary when people say, I think I'm going to die at this age or I'm going to die in this way and it happens. But we only know about that because it's reported. Like... Man says he's going to die at 42 and lives to 100. Isn't a story, is it's it? not a good news story, no. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably wouldn't be arsed reading it, to be honest. No, so I'd imagine there's like... It's like predictions in general, isn't it? I'm, there's a million people make predictions all the time. And like the ones, the only ones we hear about are the ones that are right. We don't hear about all those ones where someone says, oh, well, in two seconds a bee's going to fly into the house and pick him up by her ear and take her away. They don't, we don't report those, do we? Because they don't happen. No, they don't happen. But they might happen someday, okay? So don't be so passive-aggressive. <laughs> I find it very strange that it was so precise. Oh, it's super strange. And I don't think that's actually the case. Like, I think... Was, okay, well, let's, let's yeah, go on but to... I'm just saying it is viable. And actually, the whole, you know, pre- precision of the day that he's going to die is not that unheard of. It's just he happened to get it right. If he just said, oh, I'm, I'm going to die... Soon. Soon. And then actually, he died four weeks later. It would that wouldn't have been a detail in the story, would it? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have made a very good story. No. <laughs> Number two. Okay. Christopher Case died of heart failure, but this was accompanied by a form of psychosis. So two completely separate things that collided in his life at this moment in time. I don't know a lot about psychosis, so it's quite hard for me to say whether that's something that could happen in such a quick onset. Yes. But from what we know, there's not does there not need to be a trigger point. Not necessarily. Okay. For some people, it can be years and years and years of unrecognized anxiety. Mm. People can have. I know. I I watched a YouTube video about this case, and in the comments, people were arguing about the possibility of schizophrenia. It'd be very unusual for him to get to that age and not have had a schizophrenic episode before that. Yeah. But also not completely unheard of, and and psychosis can occur very quickly very rapidly it doesn't it doesn't have to be a long-term thing so yes it's viable then as well i mean it could be if you look at the story the details of the story that we have he's potentially got a lot of anxiety around his health and stuff anyway because that's often what fuels that rigid discipline about looking after yourself and Mm. taking the vitamins every day and stuff like that so maybe you're right maybe that like not maybe you're right maybe that theory is right that is a build-up of certain things and this is his breaking point or this is the moment where it surfaces but it's not in a similar way it's not that different to the first one is it it's just it's natural causes but it's two different things yeah but it's adding another 
yeah. element into it yeah. to explain the crazy week that yeah. he had. Yeah. There's also something to be said for the, just the lack of sleep in general. Like if you've had three or four days consistently of very little sleep or no sleep, that's going to bring on some onset of some kind of mental difficult, mental health difficulties anyway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So potentially. Number three. Okay. Christopher Case. Yep. Was cursed. Yeah. This woman is very mysterious because we don't get a name or anything, do we? We just get another woman, right? Yeah, we don't get her name. We don't know anything about her. We don't know who she is. She's got an interest in, in importing ancient music from, yeah, Egypt in particular. It rang a bell in my head because that's where all the Alistair Crowley-based magic with a K comes from. Is A lot of that is based in that sort of um, theology and stuff like that. So that was sort of, you know, I was like, oh, this woman. And then she started cursing him at the table. I want to go with this because it makes the story way more interesting. Doesn't it? And she does sound like there's the potential that she could have the ability to do that. Theory number four. Okay. None of this is true and you just told me a lie? No. Okay. So the the facts of this case are that I could verify. Okay. Christopher Case was a real person. Okay, that's good. That's a good start because I was worried yeah. you were just going to say this is... Uh... <laughs> this is an urban legend yeah. or whatever. I did, for the longest time, I did think it was, okay. but it actually it actually isn't. So okay. Christopher Case is a real person. Right. He was a 35-year-old man. He worked for Muzak. He had an interest in ancient uh, ancient music. He did that interview with the LA Times, which is... He also did an interview for another music magazine that I don't remember the name of. So we, there's like documented evidence that this man was a real man. The police report when they went into the house absolutely said that there was salt, there was religious artifacts, there was, you know, soft religious music playing, that they the, the position in which they found him where he looked like he was mid-prayer in the bathtub, leaning against the mm. wall, and that he had died, looked like he had died in his sleep. That's all completely true. The Seattle Times ran a story, ran two stories about this, actually. The first one being about the surroundings in which he was found and that he believed that he had been cursed and then they ran ran a second story when the autopsy came back to say that it wasn't a suicide or he wasn't he didn't have any drugs in his system that he died of heart failure i think that's important i think that fact is important that it was that he did just die because i think if he'd have if it had been ruled as suicide or if he had been intoxicated in any form well, that just... Then it kind of feeds into a different narrative, doesn't it? Yeah. The only part of this case that makes makes me raise my eyebrows is they... Sammy Soder. Oh, really? Because all of the narrative about the woman, about the curse, about what he saw in his apartment, all of it comes from Sammy. That's the only evidence we have of all of that. Now, obviously, he experienced something because he wasn't a religious man. Right. So whatever he experienced, like he, when they went into his apartment, what they saw was completely removed from what how he behaved ordinarily. So is Sammy Soda actually the lady from the restaurant? I don't know. Sammy Soda is a long-term friend. They've been friend, friends for 10 right, years. Okay. She did have, and I heard a voicemail from him where he says, it's, it's actually very eerie. I'll leave the link in the description, but it's very eerie because he says like, they nearly got me last night whatever this is is evil it's going to kill me whatever um and he's very calm when he's talking to her but the rest of the story comes from her and she went on to do an interview yeah with an australian tv show that was like 
that in the from the 90s which is also linked in the description of this episode so you can go and watch it she did an interview the owner of evangel incorporated did an interview and i believe the priest the catholic priest which is really unusual for them to do any sort of um formal interview and she is a psychic medium and talks extensively about christopher case she is interviewed in the seattle times she is interviewed on this TV show and she's the one that says, no, the family think that that he was cursed or that something happened to him and this woman needs to be found, whoever this woman is. Okay, on the flip side of that, I can see why you might be sceptical of that story. But if you're experiencing this, you have a small circle of friends or a big circle of friends, but you don't do a lot socially with them. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, so he has lots of friends, probably more so, so sounded like more so acquaintances. Yeah you're not going to go to those acquaintances with this kind of bat crazy story, are you? No. You're going to go to someone that is likely to believe you. And if you're friends with a medium, she'd who you tell the story to, right? Yeah, I guess. And and like, yeah, you're going to go to your most spiritually in tune person. You're not going to go to an atheist and go, look, this is going on because your atheist is going to go, you need to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Or, and you're also not going to go, no, if you've got loads of acquaintances, you're not going to go to any of them because you don't know, you're not on that deeper level. So if you, she's one of the few people that he knows that he trusts to be able to talk about something like this with, puts a different light on it, I think, from what you're saying. He's about I just, to reveal something now. No, okay. I just found, I just found <laughs> it bizarre that this, that the, the majority of the narrative of this story is based on her narrative but what if he, if he didn't speak to anybody else but that's true like yeah. if he didn't speak to anybody else he didn't speak to anyone else and you're right you know if if i was in that situation where i thought jesus christ like evil spirits are trying to kill me in my sleep i would be more likely to speak to somebody who is more likely to believe me yeah. because that's human nature isn't it you yeah. want to be believed yeah absolutely so what was your fourth theory or was that it that was the fourth theory, sammy theory. Being... is that sammy made it up yeah but he still died though so the story still happened and absolutely he, yeah and it deteriorated with over a week yes because he was he was at that conference right yeah on the 11th so it was it was almost exactly a week later he was dead wasn't it mm-hmm. but so he was actually in fine almost in top form actually for that conference wasn't he and then yeah. a week later he deteriorated to the point where he was praying in his bathtub or whatever he was doing so he was that went on the um date with the woman on the 11th and then on the 18th was when the police found him dead it's mysterious it's still mysterious it's even, interesting isn't it even if even if you take sammy out of the equation completely yeah did the date definitely happen well that's we don't know okay. we only know the date happened from sammy saying that he called her after the date because he was so like what the fuck just happened see yes it's i think it's still really mysterious as a story though because you're thinking like I know things can deteriorate with psychosis majorly, but that often leads to suicide, right? Or something like, not always, but like if it was, if you was, if you were to say someone developed psych- a, a serious bout of psychosis and then was dead a week later, you, your presumptions would be suicide, rightly or wrongly, right? Yeah, or they'd hurt themselves they'd accidentally, hurt themselves accidentally. in some way, yeah. Whereas his story is almost self-preservation, like the face... It's crazy, but he's trying to protect He's desperately himself. trying to stay alive. Yeah. In his own head. Yeah. Whatever the yeah, hell yeah, happened, yeah. Yeah. he is doing whatever he can to stay alive. And if, like, if it was, you know, if he was doing... If he'd found, you know, if they'd found him, like, a month later and he'd been, you know, died of starvation, he was, that you could have chalked that out 
chalk that up to something else, couldn't you? Like yeah. that could have been like him trying to protect himself but not doing the things that he needs to do yeah. normally. But this is such a short amount of time and he just has, he has heart failure. Yeah. So I think it's either outright heart failure on its own and the, the weirdness comes from that, the mental impact that, that your, your heart giving up has on you. This sense of impending doom yeah. that happens. Or there is something else going on. And I'm leaning towards there's something else going on. It's just too weird. Isn't it such a great story? Yeah. It's short. Yeah. But the details that we have are so interesting. Yeah. And it's such a... It's the time frame again, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's just literally a week. space of time. If he, hadn't, if he hadn't have said, apparently, allegedly, this woman cursed me and said I'd be dead within a week. And if he hadn't have said to Sammy... I am going to die tonight. This story would just be like a sad story. It is a sad story because a man died. And his family allegedly believed that it was something nefarious that happened. And then there were some people that believe he literally scared himself to death. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it could be, it could be that this woman existed and she did say that in a rage. Because we do... I, I've said, I haven't cursed anybody, obviously. But, Have you not? <laughs> but I've said some stupid things when I've been embarrassed out of being hurt or... Yeah, of self-preservation. So, of course yeah. you do. And so she could have said that and actually not, you know, not done anything with it and probably hated herself for it after. And actually that accompanied with whatever was going on biolog- biologically with him, just got him to a point where he worked himself off into a frenzy and then his heart just packed up, reacted in shock, I guess. So it's so it's so, mad. so like there's so much to the story. It's very mysterious. It's a good story. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thanks very much. Would you like some new reviews? Yeah. Review number one comes from Turtle Dirdler. That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> and it says the perfect mix of creepy and funny. I love that the episodes kick off with a movie review. Movie review. Movie review. I'm a big fan of often terrible horror thriller films. I look forward to the reviews to compare to my own or to add something else to it. The weekly stories are so fun. From ghosts to aliens, if you're a skeptic or a full-on believer, this is a really enjoyable podcast and I look forward to new episodes every week. Thank you so much, Turtle Dirtler. Turtle Dirtler. <laughs> Turtle Dirtler. That's so fun to say. Our second review comes from LB Cloud. How can scary be so soothing? Started listening in the car, but my sleepy eight-year-old begged me to turn off the ghost stories. <laughs> so I had to wait until Sunday morning. Joke's on him, though. No pancakes for anyone since mom is too distracted by these compelling stories to make anything but strong coffee. <laughs> the stories are not frightening, just disturbingly believable paranormal accounts read in the narrator's beautiful Irish accent. Her calm reading is misleadingly soothing, somehow making the content stick in its own haunting way. Mm. Yes, people say I'm misleadingly, disturbingly misleading all of the time. That is true. (laughs) That would be my Tinder bio. (laughs) Disturbingly misleading. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, OKS93. Scary, funny and binge-worthy. After having a few strange goings-on in my flat, I looked for something that would tell other people's ghost stories and found this gem of a podcast. The dynamic is excellent with Emma's fantastic storytelling skills and great research, while Dan's input and knowledge is funny and insightful. I've binged the whole thing while driving in just over a week and look forward to future episodes. Keep up the good work. From Ollie in Salford. I mean, that's a lovely review, but I think you misspelt knowledge. I mean, I think you misspelt misspelt nonsense as knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're very knowledgeable. (laughs) Thanks. 
So if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find me on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club. You can find us on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. You can send in your own spooky stories. Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a like, leave a review if you feel so inclined. And join our supergroup, which is RLGS Supergroup. The password is Emma and Dan, and it is the only unsullied corner of the internet. Absolutely. You can also support us on Patreon if you feel so inclined. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month, you get an extra spooky episode a week with loads of special guests. And for $2 a month, what do you get? You get the back catalogue of 50p Movie Club, which is a podcast I used to do with Will and I now do with Dave, where we go to the 50p section of the CEX, we watch a movie, it's normally quite bad and we talk about it. Oh, that was really good, really concise. Nice. Yeah, And, well and you also get an episode of 50p Movie Bites, which is a new thing that I've just started doing. Surprise. If you want to see us opening a Dybbuk box, <laughs> you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And all of the links to everything are in the description of this episode. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.